Welcome to episode 79 of the Night Shift. We're giving Kyle Grimard one more episode to recuperate. We'll talk about what from when he returns for episode number 80. My name is Mike Stubbs. You can find me on socials at Stubbs980. You can find Kyle at Kyle, G-R-I-M-A-R-D for Grimard. And we find the London Knights having played two games that when you look back on them, look almost identical. And unfortunately for the Knights, neither one of them produced a victory. The Knights took on the Erie Otters on Friday night, and they had themselves a lead. And then they had another lead. And then Erie scored twice, took their own lead, and added an empty netter. And let's see, Saginaw, the Knights were up 1-0, 2-1, 3-2. And then Saginaw wound up scoring twice, taking a lead, and they ended up with a 6-4 victory over London. So this is where the London Knights sit. Now, it's always interesting to see how the coaching staff reacts whenever things don't go as planned. And let's face it, every team tries to win, but the Knights and their fans are in the exact same place that the Toronto Maple Leafs were, let's say, on Friday wondering why they hadn't beaten the Chicago Blackhawks, wondering why they hadn't beaten the Florida Panthers. The Buffalo Bills have lost two of three. The Detroit Lions fans are saying, we thought things were going differently. Well, let's get some thoughts from Rick Stedman, who talked to us after Friday's game and saw something in the team that maybe appeared a little bit on Sunday as well. Sometimes you just get into a groove or into the same thing every day and doing the same stuff, and uh, you get stale with it. And I think we just were a little stale last game. Uh, we didn't have the same work ethic. We've had other games, that same hound mentality, I didn't think, and, and we got exposed for it. London Knights assistant coach Rick Stedman. So he felt a staleness. In the game against Saginaw, the Knights came out well. But there were times at which the Saginaw spirit were able to do things that the Knights so far this season haven't been allowing their opponents to do. Keeping the puck in the London zone, getting pucks through seams. And so that certainly will be looked at by the coaching staff. But there's another aspect, too, that you don't necessarily notice unless you dig not deep into the stats because it's kind of right there at the top. But it's power plays. The Knights at the beginning of the season had one of the top power plays in the league. It scored five goals in its first 10 attempts. Kasper Haltonen was giving goaltenders nightmares. He still is, but not necessarily for the one-timer. He scored his last two goals on wrist shots. We'll get to those in just a little bit. But Kasper Haltonen with that one-timer from the left side... It's now something that teams try to get ready for. And the Knights have so many different things they can do on the man advantage. However, this weekend, they had an 0 for 4 and an 0 for 2. They had an 0 for 4 on the power play against Brantford, and they had an 0 for 5 against the Sarnia Sting. So what is it about the power play? Well, in talking about the game against the Saginaw Spirit, it was something that London Knights assistant coach Dylan Hunter brought up. Uh, you know, just number one thing, just the power play. Kind of got to break it down, see the pieces, put it back together. It's just getting our chances, but just not enough. How much of the power play is just that? You do some things, other teams look and say, this is what they do, and then they stop them, and then you do new things. Exactly. I, you know, it, it's always good when you, you know, you have to change it up throughout the year. Guys will figure it out, but we got to get a baseline of uh, what we're going to be, kind of an identity out there, and then we can start moving some parts around, uh, you know, maybe get more creative, but right now it's just not moving the puck enough. Uh, you know, everyone's trying to make that last play, so we got to 
kind of just break it down and have a talk and, and put it back together. So when you say what you're going to be, is that just what you're going to emphasize, whether it's up high plays at the blue line or down low plays? Yeah, I mean, we got we got two guys, Halton and Dickinson, that one-timers, really good one-timers. So, But, you know, to be that, then you have to have some muckers in front. Uh, you know, you guys, you need rebounds, you need, you know, little plays around the net. Uh, if you don't have guys there, you're trying to make seams. You know, then you're hitting the one tees without anybody in front for any of the pucks, and you know. But or if we're going to be a seam power play, then then you need to have guys in the right spots, and that's going to be moving around and filling lanes. So, just kind of have to break. We've been going back and forth on it, and uh, you know, this was just a, you know a good little kick. And then you know, yeah, like anything, every year you got to break it down. It doesn't always happen uh, very easily. And you say like this is like a little kick when you look at this. You guys never look at this and say, uh-oh, there's a couple losses in a row. It's okay. This gives you a chance to work on things for later. You're, you're still thinking later, right? I, I mean, the only way to learn is from losses, really. I mean, when you win, everything's rosy. Everything's good. Everything worked for you. Uh, you know, I find the, the best strides you make during the year is when you go on a little bit of a losing streak. Uh, you know, guys, you know, start looking into themselves and looking at, you know, the system, what they can do better, and then you just kind of come back from that. Good luck. Thank you. Knights assistant coach Dylan Hunter. So trying to figure out what the power play is, is there are a lot of weapons there are a lot of things that the knights can do on the power play given all of the different skill sets that they're dealing with dylan highlighted the one-timers from haltonen and dickinson they got some of those away they haven't gone in in the last four games so what do we see against the ottawa 67s coming up on friday that right there is going to be a fun question if we look at the london Knights schedule coming up it's a weird one the knights From whenever you are listening to this, as long as it's not November the 4th, the Knights until November the 3rd play one game. That's it. One game against the Ottawa 67s. Teams love rhythms. And this is an odd rhythm. You usually like to practice in the OHL, and then sometimes you get a group of games on the weekend, but you get more than one. This is almost like a return to training camp. You want more games. There's one on Friday, and it's one that the Knights will want to have because otherwise you've got a full week to wait until you play again. And if you don't get a win this time around, that starts to weigh on you a little bit. So important to get a victory and kind of take away some of those feelings. When we look at a couple of players, we mentioned Casper Haltonen. He's up to nine goals. If we look at stats right now, Casper Haltonen, is tied for third in goals in the league behind only Carson Rakoff and Artu Karki. And Artu Karki, do we call him a teammate of Kasper Haltonen? Because they played together twice, two games. Not on the same team twice, but they just played two games at an international level. But Karki's been a great story this year. He's a draft pick of the Vegas Golden Knights, plays for the Sioux Greyhounds. And Carson Rakoff, we'll talk about the Kitchener Rangers in a little bit when we do a Western Conference checkup on all of the teams. But the Rangers have had guys who have stepped up into roles that were vacated by other players. Rakoff is one of those guys. Other stats, Oliver Bonk. Bonk is right now tied for sixth in assists in the league. He is tied for second in defenseman scoring. He's got 10 assists on the season and is still that steady presence. Oliver Bonk got bumped in the corner in Saginaw almost right as the game ended, came up limping a little bit, and the Knights had a bigger scare. Jacob Julian went feet first into the boards in the first period and then missed a couple of shifts during some stoppages in play. He would test things out, came back, 
and seemed to feel fine because he was a guy who won a race to a puck and helped to set up Will Nickel for his first goal of the season. So Jacob Julian continues to climb, continues to ascend as a player. Sam O'Reilly continues to ascend. We're going to be talking with Henry Burstevich on the next episode of The Night Shift. And he's another guy who, again, at just 16 years old, you'd look on the ice and you wouldn't realize he was 16. And the Knights have so many of those players. So we're going to be talking with Henry on episode number 80, when Kyle Grimard returns. But the Knights, coming off two losses, now begin to prepare for the Ottawa 67s. We want to take a spin through the Western Conference because most teams are at the 10-game mark. The Knights are just past the 10-game mark. Clubs are right around that 10-game mark. And it's interesting to look at where the Western Conference was expected to be, who was expected to be where. Because this one, on paper at the outset, broke down pretty cleanly. So you had London and Saginaw at the top of the conference, Saginaw because they are the 2024 Memorial Cup hosts, and they're going to make sure they're ready. They are going to be there. But we talked about this on the broadcast. The Memorial Cup host is a really difficult position to be in. Everybody wants their name, the host, says the same thing. Our goal is to go in the front door. And you say that. And going in the front door means winning a championship and going in as a champion against two other league champions and usually the finalist from your particular league. And there's something in your head at the same time that you're telling yourself, we're going to go in the front door, that keeps saying, yeah, but we're already in the tournament. And it's a difficult mental balance. It really is. And everything feels magnified when you're the host team. Whenever things don't go right, Saginaw, they have four wins on home ice. Perfect. 4-0. and They have four losses on the road. Haven't been able to win from home. And maybe that bodes well because the Memorial Cup's in their building. If they keep this up, well, that's just fine. Win on home ice, never lose on home ice. Yeah, it's going to make you tough in the tournament. But things are magnified. So when things don't go right, they feel much bigger than they are. And I think Saginaw is working through some of that, and they will get through it. They have a very talented roster, and they are a club that really comes hard, great on special teams, number one on power play, number one on penalty kill, and you want those two ingredients. But still, it is difficult. There is a reason why the last team to host the Memorial Cup and go in the front door was the 2005 London Knights, the team of the century. There's a reason for that. You have to be really, really good to deal with all that pressure that ultimately you put on yourself, but that is always around you and the eyes that are always around you. And that year, there were even more eyes because there was no NHL. And that team just kept going one game after the other, never letting themselves believe they had it. The only time they exhaled, even for a second, seemed to be when they went up 3-1 on the Ottawa 67s. In the OHL Championship Series, the Knights flew home from Ottawa after Game 4 of that series, and they had a 3-1 lead. And there wasn't a celebration by any means, because that team was only going to celebrate when they got the final jobs done. But there was a little bit of an exhale that they had three games to do what they've been wanting to do all season, go in that front door, go in as champions. And they were going back home for two of those games. 
And there was just this, okay, we've given ourselves a really good shot. And of course, they went out and they got it done in the very next game. But that's how hard that is. And that's what Saginaw is coming to terms with right now. And it's a legit, it's a real thing. As for the London Knights, we've outlined where the London Knights sit. They are currently right up there with the Sioux Greyhounds and maybe the surprise so far in the Western Conference. And congratulations to them, the Kitchener Rangers. And we'll get to them in just a moment. But you look at the Knights' point total early on, and they're putting up an awful lot of points. They sit one back of the Sioux Greyhounds. Both have played the same number of games, and they currently sit one point back of the Kitchener Rangers, and the Rangers have one game in hand. But the Rangers off to an excellent start. So the Knights are where they're supposed to be. Saginaw will get there. Saginaw's four and four, but they're a little under everybody else. They've actually only played eight games so far. So they'll have a busy schedule coming up. Then why don't we start looking down the list a little bit? We've had three coaching changes in the Ontario Hockey League, in Flint, in Owen Sound, and most recently in Kingston. The Owen Sound attack made a coaching change. This is Owen Sound's year. This is the year that they have been building toward. They have a core of players who've been together for two, some of them three seasons. Those players are now 19 and 20. You've got a guy like Denny Gore, who's 20 years old. You've got Sam Sedley from St. Mary's, who's 20 years old. This is the Owen Sound Attacks year. They started the year 4-2-1, and and for whatever reason, they felt they needed a coaching change, and they made it. Greg Walters out as coach, Darren Rumble in. Since that change, the Owen Sound Attack have not found that bump, that boost, that burst that you sometimes get. They've lost three games in a row, and they've lost them to Kitchener, Brantford, and the Kingston Frontenacs. So the Owen Sound Attack are still trying to get untracked this year. Their roster says they should be able to do it because in junior hockey, you want that core. You want it to grow together. You don't want to add in a whole lot of people. You can look, the Sarnia Sting added in a whole lot of people last year, and while they came together and they made the OHL Western Conference Championship Series, it's a little bit more risky than growing your team together. And Owen Sound should be in a position where they are fighting for top spot in the Western Conference. And that's the goal that they certainly have. If we look at the Sioux Greyhounds, the Greyhounds tend to get off to really good starts. There was one year they had earned 21 of the first 24 points they could have had. And what that is, it's hard to say because the same players aren't there. But the Greyhounds tend to be a team that starts really well. They get to gel on the road because they do a lot of traveling. And they tend to have a style going back through their last few coaches, where they will come at you there a lot. The Sioux Greyhounds will jump one, sometimes two defensemen into the rush. And early on in the season, maybe that's hard to take. The Greyhounds are going to be a good team. They're going to stay where they are, but they've been off to an excellent start. And they have a lot of weapons, both at forward and defense. They've lost three of their last five, and goal scoring has been a problem in those three games. They have two goals in those three games. You want to know what's weird about this five-game stretch for the Sioux Greyhounds? Two goals in three losses, and not two goals per game, two goals, period. And then the two wins that they have in that five-game set, both by shutout. Explain that one. Chalk it up to hockey. Speaking of teams that don't allow a lot of goals, the Guelph Storm have only allowed 17 in nine games. Do the quick math on that. That's less than two a game. 
That's remarkable. Last year at this time, Guelph couldn't seem to keep the puck out of their net. Now they have that taken care of. They aren't scoring an awful lot, just over three goals per game. And they currently sit with a record of six and three that puts them right into the mix in the Western Conference. And they're a team that should hang around there. A team that looks to rise, the Erie Otters. Getting Ben Godro, big. The Otters are still trying to get themselves back into contender status. And Stan Butler tends to be a defensive coach, but he seems to be giving enough of the reins to guys like Malcolm Spence and Andre Molnar and Kerry Terrance. And they brought in Martin Mishiak, who is a Chicago Blackhawks draft pick, scored a goal against the London Knights. The Otters are still technically three games under 500. However, this is a team that should make a climb this year. And that's something to certainly watch for. The consistency isn't there yet, but you look at their roster and you think, yeah, this is now the year when they fight for home ice advantage in the playoffs. And then next year, who knows? I mean, Ben Godro is an overage goaltender. He won't be back. But at the same time, this allows them to do a little bit more development in the crease. The Flint Firebirds are another team that has changed coaches. Ted Dent out after just two games. Paul Flash in. And the Flint Firebirds are giving up fewer goals. They were outscored 19-3 to in their first two games. Now, both of them were against the Sioux Greyhounds. Since then, Their goal differential is minus three, so it's not that bad at all. The Firebirds are trying to figure out who they are, and are they a team that is going to be able to get into the middle of the pack? They've had a tough start. We'll see what the coaching change does. And then you have the three teams who last year really went for it, really did, made a lot of moves, Kitchener, Sarnia, and Windsor. And the way that things work in junior hockey, they should really be in rebuild mode. But have a look at two of them. They are so far away from rebuild mode. The Sarnia Sting are a hard team to play against. They're finding scoring when that seemed to be something like it would be tough for them. But they're finding scoring. They wanted to build a culture last year. Congratulations. You built that culture. Alan Latang, outstanding coach. And the Sarnia Sting are right in the mix. And if they're in the mix now, when they mature, It won't be long before they're not just in the mix, before they're battling to get back to the Western Conference Championship, maybe further. But that's been a really impressive start in Sarnia and an unexpected one. Same with Kitchener. Right now, here's the trivia question in the OHL. What position does the player leading the OHL in scoring play? He's not a goalie. Ah, yeah, but he must be a a winger, a center. No, how about a defenseman? How about Hunter Brestevich, brother of Henry Brestevich of the London Knights of the Kitchener Rangers? Going into this past weekend, the Rangers were 1-2-3 in league scoring. Adrian Misiljevic, Carson Rakoff, and Hunter Brestevich, 1-2-3. They now have three of the top five and four of the top six. You can throw Matthew Sopp in there. This was unexpected, but the Kitchener Rangers are 7-3. and three. And we've played 10 games. You can say it's early, but usually if you've been able to win seven of your first 10, you don't usually turn into a 300 team after that. You now have everybody together, your systems are in place, and you're starting to show who you are. And if this is who the Kitchener Rangers are, then forget about having to rebuild, reload, whatever word you want to use that describes 
getting a little bit younger and trying to add players and, and look toward the future, the Rangers may not have to. Can they stay where they are right now? That's the big question. But they have a decent power play. They have a decent penalty kill. And they really have some top-end players who have stepped into the roles that were vacated by the Francescos who left and other players who left. So it's been a, a rocket of a start for the Kitchener Rangers. The team that is in the place that they were expected to be after last year was the team that won the Western Conference in the regular season. The Windsor Spitfires were beaten by the Kitchener Rangers. You'll learn a lot as the Rangers about how to win, and that may spell a bit of their success so far. But the Windsor Spitfires, despite a win over the Saginaw Spirit, are on a 2-7 and seven start. And not only do they lack depth on their roster right now, they lack draft capital. Their draft cupboard is pretty bare after some of the moves that they had made. And, hey, they won the Western Conference in the regular season last year. They made it to Game 7 of the OHL Championship the year before. Nobody's going to look at this team and say, oh, what are you doing if, if you're trying to get younger? And Manny Pava, who is a broadcaster for the Windsor Spitfires, spoke to us at the beginning of the year. And he said it'll probably be a six-week period, and they'll take a look at what they have, and, and then they'll make their decisions. But this could be a year where the Windsor Spitfires go with a young team and start looking toward the future and try to rebuild some of that draft capital because it it is pretty bare in that cupboard. So right now, you would look at the beginning of the season and say the London Knights and the Saginaw Spirit, those are the two teams that are going to fight for top spot. Well, they have some company. They have the Kitchener Rangers. They have the Sioux Greyhounds. You can argue they also have the Sarnia Sting and the Saginaw Spirit and the Guelph Storm. And if Owen Sound can get it turned around, they have them too. So it's the usual Western Conference. At least that's the way it's taking shape. Do you want it any other way? Before we close out, Michael DeRazio, congratulations. Former London Knights defenseman, guy who played with the Owen Sound Attack, played with the Mississauga St. Mike's Majors, played in a Memorial Cup. Congratulations to Michael DeRazio and his new family because Andrew William DeRazio has been welcomed into the world. And Michael's going to make one amazing dad. Congratulations to the DeRazio family. One other note, speaking of the family, part of the Knights family gets back together because Liam Foodie was picked up on waivers by the Nashville Predators. So he joins a former teammate in Luke Evangelista in Nashville. And Luke Evangelista scored a very nice first goal of the season against the San Jose Sharks on the weekend. So good luck to Liam Foodie in new surroundings in Nashville, Tennessee. If you are between the ages of 8 and 12, don't forget to check out our Junior Sportscaster Contest at 980cfpl.ca. Make sure you enter into that. You can come to practice, get a family four-pack of tickets, meet the team, come up into the broadcast booth. We'll have an absolute blast. But you've got to sign up at our website, and that is at 980cfpl.ca. Kyle Grimard will return for episode 80. We'll talk with Henry Brustevich. We'll preview the Ottawa 67s and the London Knights, the Knights' only game between now, whenever you're listening to this podcast, and November the 3rd. So enjoy it, get your tickets, and get them quickly at LondonKnights.com. We'll talk to you next time.